Morning. It is a joy. I love what's going on here. I love what just took place. I loved first seeing the kids come up and just worship and enjoy. And I love little saints. It's just awesome. And then the baptisms are just, it's just wonderful. It really is. It just brings uh, such joy to my heart and joy to the Father's heart. It really is. Because uh, it doesn't happen a lot of places and all the time. And I love the freedom and the, uh, the dedication that you guys have here. And I remember because we were here in the fall, we were actually... Yeah, last fall, and to speak, but the Lord showed up in two and a half, three hours, and, and I say the same thing to the Lord every time. Lord, if you have something else you want to do, I don't have to speak. I'm fine. I'll sit where I'm sitting and enjoy. And that's been my habit for 40-some-odd years, and uh, every now and then, he'll take me up on it, <laughs> and he did that day, and it was wonderful, and I knew Sean felt a little, so he said, could you summarize in five minutes? <laughs> and I barely get a hello out in five minutes, but I did, and it was wonderful, and and it was just joyous. The the prayer times over Wes and others that were here, the dedications, words, uh, prophetic dreams that were coming, especially out of the young kids, 12, 14, 15 years old. That's better than anything that that I could just come up and say, even if it's from the Lord. Uh, So I did the same thing this morning, and I did wrestle for the last few minutes, especially during the baptisms. because there's such a flow, and there was such a joy, and there really was just, you know, the in-house presence of God. And I said, Lord, I feel like, you know, so I wrestle. I said, do you really, you know, because the word I have is, it's not like it's going to make you stand up on your chairs and shout and go joyful. Maybe, but you might have issues if you do, but, you know. So I asked, and finally about five minutes ago, I felt the release of the Lord to share what he had me to share, which is what I actually shared two months ago just in a phone call with Sean. And he goes, you need to come and you need to share that. And so that's my hope uh, today because my heart, I want to see people saved. It really is. And I love doing, I love preaching the gospel. I love testifying. I love sharing my testimony. I love it in prisons. I love it in brothels. I love it in all the places that we go that most people won't go. But the other side of my heart, and it's always been, is I want to see maturity come to those who meet the Lord. I don't want to just say, hey, it's great, you're saved, and then just be okay. No, because the gospel in Jesus is, is very much, he said, preach the gospel, but then he said, teach everything that I've taught you. Come on. We've done okay with preaching to some degree, not enough internationally and not enough through the centuries, but we're on our way. But my heart equal, if not more so, is wanting to mature the saints and to see them being taken what they are receiving and then multiply it. And that's part of what Jesus is saying in discipleship, right? Is preach the gospel, get them saved, and then teach them what he has taught so they then, as disciples, go teach others. It's the multiplication. And that means a lot of things right? That means a lot of change. That means a lot of heartache. That means a lot of picking up your cross and following after Him. And it's one thing to say it to come to the place for salvation, and it's another to no longer just call Him Savior, but call Him Lord, but not just because He is the Lord, which He is, and He's always been the Lord. He only became a Savior. You need to know that. Isaiah said that. But he's always been the Lord. But he is our Lord and Savior. 
And so the difference is, it's one thing to have him as Savior. Forgiveness granted, deliverance granted, receiving that, which is awesome and wonderful and kind of like the first step. But then he wants to be Lord. That means he wants to be in charge of every aspect of your life, which means you would then relook at why did I get saved in the first place? You heard some of the testimonies today. Words like darkness. How many of us were in the darkness? Every hand should be up because we were all in darkness, all in sin, every one of us. But Christ came, left the 99, came after you, the one, brought you in. And then he begins to transform you, not just reform, transform. And that is ongoing till the day we meet him face to face, according to 1 John. But as you know, it's not always easy. You get to a certain point, he's got you, and he's working inside, and it's really hard to keep saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's why the baptisms today are so important. And the Lord whispered something to me for one of the people and said, I'm about to take her into the depths of her darkness, and there she will die. But when she comes up, she's going to be filled with light and my glory, and her life will never be the same. That's what's supposed to happen for each of us. It isn't just the physical demonstration, though it is. It's meant to take what God has already done in your heart by being born again, which means you die to self, die to sin, power and penalty of sin broken over you, and now you're alive in Him. Now you're filled with His light, filled with His glory, filled with His passion, filled with His joy, filled with love for others who are still in darkness, who you want to bring into the light and bring into the family. And I know we know that, but that brings me, because, because now that means we must enter, even though we're filled with light, back into dark places where we used to be. We have to take the light and the glory that is in us by power of Holy Spirit, love of God, passion of God, heart of the Father, and be willing to go back. That means something different for each person. Doesn't mean you're automatically, if you were a drunk, immediately going back in the bar. Maybe down the road like he did with me. Going into brothels like he did with me. But it may not mean any of that. It might just mean you go into your neighborhood. Talk to the friend from high school that didn't want anything to do with you when you said, yes, Jesus, I ain't sleeping around no more. It might mean all kinds of stuff, but it's the willingness and the yieldedness, and then, yes, the obedience. Like I said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Sometimes we're willing, not obedient. Other times we're obedient, but man, in our heart of hearts, you're not really willing. Anybody ever been there? We used to call it growing up, I'm standing up on the inside. You might be sitting, but you're standing up on the inside. How many have told your kids that? I see that in you. I know you're standing, but the look on your face, you're still in rebellion, son or daughter. And you can tell it. Well, the father knows as well. 
So there's my good morning, and I'm sorry there goes eight minutes, but I'm going to do my best to get you out of here by 3 a.m. So I made it easier. I'm going to read some things, and then we're just going to go right for it. I love stories. How many love stories? I love the stories of the Word. I love stories of people's testimonies. I love the stories of history. I love the fact that we get to tell stories now, and our lives one day will be the story down the road for many. We're called to that. It's part of us leaving this this print of our life. Like Paul said, you are the one that's written. My life in you in Christ, it's written. Wherever you go, he goes, I can can take joy in that. So let me just give you a few things. And the message, if you're Whatever you're doing with it is, it's, and we'll only get to a little of it, but it's God's ways and means of warfare. And we're going to look at OT and we're going to look at some NT and we're going to go from there. And my hope is that we will, as I read to you some of the reasons why people don't want to or only want to go so far, or we come up with our, what I call cutesy cliches, which since the age of the internet or more rampant than almost anything that I see, and I weary and I tired, and yes, I even get a little angry when I see everybody's a theologian or a philosopher, and they put stuff out there that's like half-truth. And if you have half-truth, you know what that means. You got half a lie, and you're not always sure which is which because you're getting confused, right? So let me give you this. The OT teaches us through Adam, God, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David, Jehoshaphat, Asa, Nehemiah, and many, many others in their lives that there's multiple strategies of God's ways and means in which every specific war is meant to be fought and won victoriously. Now, that's a mouthful, but basically what it means is not every war is meant to be fought in the same way. It wasn't in the OT, it isn't in the new. And something else, and I know we would know this, but knowing God and more that I get to know Him, in Congress we have a committee, and it's called the Ways and Means Committee. Are you familiar with that? It's one of the most powerful committees in D.C. When I lived up here years ago, after I spoke at the legislature in Concord, which by the way is the third largest legislative body in the world, first is D.C., Parliament, and then New Hampshire, which is pretty amazing. God spoke to me and he said, David, you realize I'm in charge. I'm the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. And it just, and I kind of knew it, but it hit me in such a way that it's like, okay, then I have the same right as all these legislators to get before the God of heaven and hear what you want to say and how you want to do it. And he said, that's what I'm talking about, David. And that is forever been within me to remind myself that we can go to God of heaven. We go to his word. We go to prayer. We get the prophetic. We get dreams. We go to other people. We have prophets that can not only tell you things now, but can tell you things to come. And there should be no issue except that sometimes we get a little lazy. Anybody here ever a little lazy? We just talked about one girl being a warrior. Warriors get tired. Warriors need other warriors to raise up their hands. So hear me, just a few of these, most of these you'll recognize, but what I have found so often is that we use these, and even though they're scriptural, if we don't give context and we just kind of put them out there thinking we did our job, thinking we're encouraging and we're exhorting, and you might be, but it really, depending on the situation, 
It kind of leaves people high and dry. You ever been through the tough situation and you open up to somebody and they would say something like this, oh, you don't got to worry. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord. Anybody? Got real quiet in here. Thank you for the silent amens. Stand still. That's one of my favorites. And see the salvation of God. Now, for those that are thinking I'm being sacrilegious, I'm not. I already pre-warned you. I already prefaced by these are scriptural, but if we don't know the context, here's another one. Here's one of our favorite. Who knows Romans 8, 28 by heart? The most abused or one of the most abused scriptures in all of scripture. All things will work together for the good, my brother. All things. And usually right after that is, yo, don't fret. God's on the throne. It's really quiet in here. Can you at least laugh? Shall I do it in a different language? I'm sorry, English and tongues is all I got. I know now how to say banyo, and if I really get in the spirit, it's banero, right? So there you go. There's Spanish, Portuguese, and my wife is like, oh, David, please get on with the message. And since I'm submitted, I am about to, yes. Here's another big one. God's in total control. Anybody ever hear those? How many are humble enough to say I have used those in speaking to people too? without context, to try to help, to try to encourage. I'll give you one, two more. Here we go. I'm just going to do what worked the last time. Hallelujah! Because it worked the last time. Right? And finally, the last one, and this is big on me because I totally believe in this, and America is lacking this in a lot of ways, but God has given us common sense. We will figure it out. Right? Those are people's often's idea of there's my ability to war. That's my contending. That's me helping you. That's me trying to take a difficult situation and help you through it. So let me tell you, if you've gone through a funeral recently, you really want to hear any of that? I just did it. I just went through it. In fact, three people in one day, close that I knew, all passed in one day. I didn't want to hear any of this. Thank God I didn't have to hear anybody. I kept to myself. I put my faith and trust in the Lord because you can't say those things. Or when somebody's had something really terrible go on, how about a divorce? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, God's in control. Thank you as I'm dying now without my mate, right? So what do we say by all this? For me, we can't relegate our answers to trite and cute sayings, even biblically, when we need wisdom and truth. Here's the last. God never changes. Say Amen. God never changes. We've got to realize that. Principles, priorities, passions. He has infinite and even unsearchable wisdom in every strategy for everything you currently face or for whatever comes in your future. And he is more than willing to reveal it to you. And we dare not be consumed with our life, busy, distracted, undisciplined, lazy, lackadaisical, to seek him out and hear his plan for victory for every battle that you face. I'll give you one last part, and this is big, and it would be one I could preach for now till quite a while. We must not allow or have an overemphasis on sovereignty because he, we think, just does whatever, whenever, on his own, without your help or mine. The deal is he humbly chooses to work with and through his people, not apart from them.
Often we're the ones who hinder his will, his plans and his purposes, and even his timing by not doing what he says, and the when, and the way he says to do it. That's my preface, and so now, because of time, I am going to just, I'm just going to give you some examples. Uh, I would love to, to do each of these, but just a couple things. From the very first, Adam and Eve sinned, right? God had the plan all ready to go. The first prophetic word, Genesis 3.15, right? He's the one who initiated. He pursued them. He questioned them. He spoke to the serpent. He cursed the serpent. For those who don't think God curses, read your Bible. I'm not saying obscenities. I'm saying literal curses. Thank God there's things that he curses. That got real quiet. You're like wondering, why am I dressed in black? Am I cursed? No, it's he curses. You'll find out Joshua cursed. There's things that we need to curse. How many heard the phrase, we curse the curse? I've used that forever. God, we are cursing curses that come against the body, come against us individually, come against your finances, come against your friends. Curse those curses you have the right to. It's not all blessing. Sometimes there's a proper curse. Other times, God will show you, you have been cursed. Words have been spoken Bob Jones picked me out of an audience of a couple thousand one day, just said, come on up, and I went up, and I was like, I had met him before, but he sat down, he stroked my arm, he doesn't know, but he said, your daughter's been under a major curse, and we're going to break it off right now. It's like, thank God, because I knew some of it, and I was doing all I could, but I needed that prophetic elder of the body to take his faith and his trust, his word of knowledge, and break it off of my daughter. And he did. And we did. You know how he did it? He cursed the one who cursed her. And that curse was lifted. I love the next part. God spoke the first prophetic word. Talked about his plan to redeem all his kids from all their sins. Fulfilled Galatians 4. Spoke to Eve and the consequence of her sin. Spoke to Adam, consequence of his sin. And then one of the first cruel things, he then went and got an animal, slayed it, took the blood, first place for the blood, but then he took the skins and he covered them, which is a wonderful picture of a loving father in the midst of your sin coming and saying, I'm going to cover you. I know what you've done, but it's not bigger than my love and my grace, so I'm going to cover you with this skin. And of course, that's what he did through Christ. We're now covered, not with a garment other than the robe of righteousness, but covered in Christ. And not just covered, but in Christ. I am in his outfit. His outfit covers me. That's coming right out of the first time sin has taken place. God had a plan, and he warred, and he contended against the demons of darkness, and he's victorious. And he's still victorious. Got to go on. Abraham, he had a few battles. Even his name, father of many nations. What's your name? Uh, Abraham. Really? How many kids? Uh, None yet. (laughs) Year after year. How's your wife doing? Pregnant? No, she's not even able. How'd you like to go through that? God has ways and means that are way beyond your normal comprehension, and it puts you to a place. Are you going to listen? Are you going to obey? Are you still going to take the name he gave you? 
No matter what it looks like or sounds like, well, he did. They even laughed about it. God was not laughing with them. Then they finally, after they messed up with Ishmael, because he listened to his wife and he shouldn't on that occasion, but he wanted to please her and he was tired and he felt bad for her. That's why. And he also knew God made a promise, so maybe we can help God a little. Maybe he's a little feeble. Maybe he's a little restful. Maybe he took the nap. Of course, he says, I never slumber nor sleep, but it certainly seems like it some days, doesn't it? Sometimes more than a few days. How about centuries? How about like 430 years? How about 400 years between Malachi and Matthew? Not a word. Every man left to his own devices. That's quite a nap. He wasn't sleeping. He was watching his word come to pass and preparing his people. He prophesied his coming 750 years through Isaiah before he was ever born. Who he is, what he's going to do, where he's going to be born, how he's going to be born, what he's going to do, who he's going to do it with, how he's going to live, die, and rise again, and then sit with me on my throne. I don't understand his timing sometimes, guys. I honestly don't. But all I know is don't get ahead of him. Like me, he'll take you behind the woodshed for a while. It's not nice. Merciful, and I'm glad he did. We're still together. That was 1992. And it's interesting, just up the road a bit, a tremendous prophet called me out and he said, this is what the Lord says. Don't get ahead of me, or I will take you behind the woodshed. Walk with me. Don't get ahead of me. And I did. Ministry became my mistress. And I got tired of being with her, tired of four squealing, bawling kids every day. I was loved and honored in ministry and not respected and honored at home. It does a number on you. We finally saw it. I hated it for what it was because I really loved her and I loved my kids. Went away to the mountains in the Smokies of North Carolina, said, I'll never leave. I'll never come back. I'll never preach again. Got my life right. Got my wife and us together. Then God said, I'm calling you back out. I said, no, I, I told you. I took a vow, and you don't want me to break vows. He said, I didn't give you that vow. That was your vow, and I appreciate it, but I didn't call you to that because I got work for you to do. I got people to reach. I've got nations to teach. <coughs> I've got worship that needs to go forth. I did. I didn't like the timing, but I did. Moses. How about Moses? Oh, I'm sorry. I started to finish. Abraham finally gets the kid. What's God say? Hey, this is awesome. I want him. Somehow, and some don't agree, but I think Abraham loved his kid at a point where maybe he loved the promise and the fulfillment of that promise and his boy a little more than God at one point. And that becomes idolatry. Even the promise can become idolatry. He wrestled all night long. He took the kid, told the team, we're going to three days into the wilderness to worship. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to kill my kid. I'm going to call it worship. He just said, I trust God. If I'm killing him, God will raise him. It's what Romans tells us, right? Takes him up. The kid freaks out a little. Hey, nice wood. Where's the sacrifice? No worries, boy. And he was ready. And it says literally when he's bringing the knife down, God called. No need, Abram. Now I know what's in your heart. Now I know you will not withhold your only son. Look to the left. You got a ram in the thicket. 
put him on. I'll take the blood from him, not your son. And of course, that is a pre-look of Jesus, who the father did the same thing, but there's no ram in the thicket. It cost him his life. It cost him relationship. The one who knew no sin became sin. Father can't look on sin, won't look on sin, can't have sin in his presence. He paid the price so sinners can now come into his presence. And somehow between sinner and saint, we get to be with him. You realize New Testament calls us saints now. Yes, we can still sin, but we're not considered sinners. Saints, boy, there's a good word. How many look at one another and say, saint? Right? But that's usually when you're doing good and when things are fine and uh, you brush your teeth extra, you know, oh, saintly. Even very white pearls. Right? No, Not the other times. So Abram, Moses, I can't go through all this because we're going to, that person on the keyboard, can Robin stop them before they come up this time? Just teasing, just teasing. <laughs> Moses, 40 years, murders, 40 years on the backside of another desert, married, got a wife, God calls him right from the burning bush, I got plans for you, you're 80 years old, I know, but I got plans, you're going back to where you murdered. You're going back to face your sin. You're going back to where you had all the luxury and all the wisdom and the finest of everything. You're going back, but you're going back as my mouthpiece. And he argues and he fights to the point that God is really angry and upset with him. Even his wife was like, man, I'll take you out myself. That was... Whew. But he goes back and what happens? He does some of the greatest miracles... And every miracle produced worse, got harder, got more difficult. Not to mention, arguing, said, let Aaron talk. I can't. He's slobbering all over the place. And God's like, okay, I'll just take the staff. I'm going to give you a miracle staff. Takes the staff, turn it into a snake. Finally gets them, and they're on the run. And now they're before the Red Sea, and everybody's complaining. Everybody's grumbling because they know the enemy's coming after him. So it's like, okay, 10 miracles, 10 more times getting worse. And God's like, Stop it. Just stop it. Oh, thank you. Is that fresh? Cool. <laughs> I've been in places they give you last week's and they think I don't know. Anyhow. <laughs> and here it is. God's like, listen, I told you what I'm going to do. So put that staff, and now it's not just a snake, it's going to divide the waters. And they saw an all-night miracle, as, as I mentioned last night, when a God crows a wind from the east, and it totally stood up both sides of the Red Sea to the point there was so much air that the sand was even dry. And they walked on dry ground. And meanwhile, some miss this in the story, but while they're still in there, the enemy comes in after them. And that had to be quite something. Look behind and see, and all of a sudden, they get to the, they're in the front, and God says to him, now just turn around, and, and down came the waters, up came the great song, horse and a rider thrown into the sea. For those that are in the 70s, 80s, remember the song for the rest. Look it up, I'm sure it's on YouTube. If not, watch the video, you just got one-third of it. Amazing stuff. Victories won. Now I want to look at Joshua real quick, because there's so much. There's a calling, there's a commissioning. 
There's an initial strategy. Remember, he was Moses' servant. Moses went up on the mountain to pray. Joshua went up. Sometimes he didn't go all the way up. Sometimes he stayed halfway. Moses came back down, went into the tent. Moses came out of the tent. Joshua stays in the tent. Love the place of worship. Love the place of prayer. I hope some of you all that have not gotten in to house of prayer start in. Give a half hour, give an hour, give two hours. Maybe you can't do it every week, but you need to get there. Get to the place where the glory dwells. And when you come out of there, the glory and the dwelling is going to be on you. You are the house of prayer. Take it into every byway and highway. Take it into your job. Take it everywhere you go. Don't say, I can't sing, I can't pray, I can't prophesy. I will bring the fire and put it under your Batuski myself. And you'll no longer say that. That, or you get a fresh baptism and we hold you under till it works. <laughs> I knew they'd laugh eventually. You know, it's like. So here's the thing. I'll just give you a couple of them. It's amazing. If you haven't studied it, it's worth it. Everything and every place your foot treads, I'm giving to you, just like I promised Moses. And it was a tough word because after your mentor dies, it's really hard. And then God says, you are now going to be the man. I taught you everything I needed to through Moses. You're going to be the one. You're going into the promised land. You're going to defeat all these enemies. Just like I was with him, I'm going to be with you. And you got to face some stuff. And that means a lot of change, a lot of transformation. That means a lot of facing things that it was easier following somebody than you now are the leader. So here's the thing, the initial strategy, pass through the camp, prepare the provisions, pass over the Jordan River, possess the land, I'm giving it to you. That's the big picture. That's what God was telling them. So he said that. And it's the only response for the people, God showed me this, 1986, sitting in a bedroom, 54 George Street, Joshua 1.16, after he told them all this, the people answered said, Joshua, all you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. One little verse, but it is the key to walking in Christ. It's the key to walking in submission to God and to leaders. It's the key for victory. It is the key for the completion of the Great Commission. It's really the key for everything. God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Wherever you send me, I'm going to go. Those two things are all that you need to know in this life. You don't got to know the where and the all the rest. He told Abram, I'm taking you out of your country from your father's house. I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. He didn't even tell him where. He just said, take me by the hand. Let's go. That's faith. Most of us like to know all these other things laid out ahead of time. God doesn't always do it that way. He just wants to take you by the hand and say, I'm going to show you. Going a little bit at a time. Going to go here. Going to go there. And then I'm finally going to distribute you, and you're going to possess this land. Remember, he promised that to Moses. Moses disobeyed. He didn't get it. But thank God he got to see it from above, from a mountaintop. Hallelujah. And then Jesus was so moved one time, he brought him and Elijah back, put them something on the same mountain, and now he got to see the reality of everything that he looked for in faith in the future. Isn't God awesome? Merciful, kind, gracious, compassionate, filled with mercy. Yeah. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. I want you to hear that. 
This needs to be our answer to God today. And that's why this day of consecration and commitment is saying not just to Joshua, though I would say to your leaders, to your elders, whatever you say, we're going to do. And we're going to do it as unto the Lord. You see, you're not so much, yes, you're submitted to leaders, but the depth of your submission, the degree of it is how you treat the Lord, how you're submitted to the Lord. If you ever want to know if there's any rebellion left in you, just let your leader tell you something you don't want to do. Then you'll find out just how submitted you are to God. Husbands, same things. You say you really love your wife? He's going to say, this is how you love me. And then you got to say, wow, I don't know that I'm loving him that way because I didn't love her that way, and it works both ways. You want to prove your love and submission to your husband? That's how you're doing it unto the Lord. That's tough stuff. We don't like some of that, right? That's not hoppy poppy and, ooh, joy, joy. You're not going to sing the same song Billy just did. Happy day. But it will be if you get it. And it will be a happy day. And he'll be the Lord of your life. So whatever you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. See, that takes all the pressure off because it's now unto him. God, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, wherever you want to go, anytime, anywhere, any place. Pretty soon you come to a place where you really look for that and like that and welcome that. Battle of Jericho. And I'm going to have to go past rising up of the Jordan. The crossing, which is awesome, crossing the Jordan. You realize they had to cross the Jordan to get to Jericho. He had to do what Moses did, except this was even harder because this was a season of flooding. This was the overflowing of the banks. It was a much greater miracle in the timing because it was harvest time, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to cross the Jordan than it was the Red Sea. But God gives him incredible stuff, even with the priests and even how to cross and even putting memorial stones down and reminding because the same with the Red Sea and letting them know, I took you out of Egypt with a mighty righteous right arm. Tell your children, prophesy it forever. He's saying the same thing to Joshua, same words. Remind everybody, these memorial stones, I took you out and I'm taking you in and you're going to possess this land and it's going to be yours because it's my land and now it's going to be yours. It's still his land. You ever notice how small that is, by the way? Everybody else around, I got this little tiny, tiny piece of land. It's not just about the land. It's because who owns the land? And the kingdom of darkness wants every foot of ground in this world. God's like, no, you're not going to have that land, and you're not going to have any of this world when it's all said and done. It's mine. And I've given it to my stewards which is the church. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. It's from God, and he's given it to us. Let's steward it and not fail like Adam and Eve. Let's take it. Let's make it. Let's work it. Let's prosper it. Let it be what God has always wanted it to be, his heaven on this earth. That's what he's about. Now, the last part, we're doing good. 35 minutes, it's pretty close to a miracle. And I love... I love the story of Jericho. Does what they did in the beginning. Remember that time they sent 10 spies, came back. Only two had the good report. It cost them 40 years in a desert. Cost them every one of those. And some say 600,000. Others say 3 million. Either way, they all died but two. Yet at the same time, their feet never ran out of good shoes and clothing. They were fed incredibly. Miracles every day while they buried people every day. Talk about a tough time, right? 
But here he is saying the same thing. I'm taking these men. I want you to go in. I want you to cross. I want you to tell me what's going on there. He sought God, and this is what the Lord was saying to do. And so they did. They meet Rahab. She's telling them, oh, we heard about what happened, and we're all in fear. All the nations here, all the kings are in fear, because we've heard about your God. I'm telling you right now, people, we are coming into a day when that same word is going forth, and the sinners and those in D.C. and places of high leadership are freaking out because the church is rising. The church is rising up. The intercessors are coming into their place. Worshipers are going forth. Fivefold is coming up and not just going to hang in a tent. They're going to be in the marketplace. They're going to be in the streets. They're going to be in all the different places. And the world is freaking. And it's us. It's God doing like he did through these men, now doing through his church. And this is what I want us to see today, that God is not just trying to do it on his own. It's rare that he does anything on his own. He does it through his people. He does it to the degree we say yes. He does it to the degree we stop grumbling and complaining and saying, yes, Lord. And if we get that, we're going to start shifting a whole lot more than just a house of prayer in this town with six churches. Thank God for it. I'm all for it. We prayed and prophesied that in Concord over 40 years ago when people said, you're crazy. Nobody does that. And I'm like, they will. They will. And I'm going to see it with my own eyes. And I'm seeing it even this morning. And I'm hearing the reports. These are days of fulfillment and days to bring a confusion to the enemy. So they do what some of these guys did. They mutilate and kill each other. That was the physical, I'm saying in the spirit. Please don't take your guns out. They took Jericho. And I got to end with this because if not, I'll, I get so pumped. You talk about specifics. You talk about direction and instruction. I want you to march around this city once every day for six days, right? You're not allowed to talk, not one word. That's one of the greatest miracles that we could have in the church today. Wouldn't it be great if we only said what God said to say? Gone is the gossip, gone is the slander, gone is the talking about others. It's just gone. You will honor, you will love one another. You won't have time to talk all that trash. Tell it to the enemy. Put him under your feet and scream everything you want to, minus obscenities. I'm okay with hell. You can, you can tell him to go to hell. Tell him forcefully. I do. I do my little happy dance on his head. I'm not going to show you now because you know the song. I could feel the mountains tremble. So I'm not going to. Have the priests, not just any priests, seven priests who have seven trumpets, they're going to march before the ark. In other words, march before my presence. We go before, now we go with the presence of God every place we go. Our word is meant to be a prophetic trumpet every time we open it up and speak the truth of God, even if it means we get jacked. Don't worry. Walk in the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man. Who gives a rip what they say? They're going to curse you down and rip you anyhow. At least do it for righteousness' sake. Speak the truth in love. Speak to the higher powers. 
write letters, run for school boards, be the governor. Wouldn't you love that? Oh, that got real quiet. I know you're thinking, who are you voting for? It doesn't matter. I'm in New York. I got my own issues. <laughs> On the seventh day, now remember, they just did it for six, right? Once a day. First place I've ever seen in the Bible, it might be the only, where God didn't even his own Sabbath. He made them work on the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? Did you ever think of that? And what are they doing on this Sabbath but having a great victory? Sabbath is meant for victory. It's meant to look back and say, just like God, I did this in six days. It was awesome. I've got to stand and look at it. I'm going to look. I put that star on that place. I named every one of them. I can't count them, but I named them. He took a whole day to just enjoy. And his creation, how Adam must have been so cool. Talk about the guy who's buffing the back. I don't know. Adam was more. And he was a vegetarian. I can't even imagine Eve. I'm just going to leave that because we get in trouble, man. I know. But just what an incredible couple. Perfection. On the seventh day, do it seven times. Have the priests blow their trumpets. And when they blow a long blast, all the people will shout a great shout, and the walls will come down, and then you'll all enter the city. Man, I love that. Detail after detail. So many things. All of it, guys, because this is the way God checks to see, are you going to be faithful and obedient? Even to the minutest detail. Will you really listen? Will you really obey? Will you do it as one Remember, this is the men of war. This is seven priests with seven tribes. Will you all listen? And they did. And it was a wonderful victory until the next day when he tried it again. He did the old work this time. Let's try it again. And they went up to the next town. They spied it out and said, oh, we only need three or 4,000 men. We'll take them. 36 of them killed, and they got their tails handed to him, and they ran back, and he's in fasting and prayer, and morning, oh God, oh God, oh God, why? Why'd you bring us out here and have a great victory? And now we failed. It's very simple. For one, he never sought God. He didn't ask. He presumed, because God said you're going to go in and you're going to do all these things, but you always got to ask. New day, new battle, new city, new strategy, need to ask at least. And they didn't, and they lost big time. And he wailed, and finally God just said, enough. There's sin in the camp. I want it right. Finish it off now. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you. And we're going to deal with the sin. And yes, we're getting back on track. And they did, and it was painful, and it was hard. And you all know the joke about Achan was really aching when it was over, but he didn't ache too long, but he was gone. Painful. Whole family. Everything he owned, gone. Sin in the camp, eradicated. Next day, now here's my battle plan. We're going to set an ambush. We're not going to do what we did at Jericho. We're going to do an ambush, and you're going to do it this way, behind and then in front, and you're going to run, and they're all going to follow you. And they did, and they lost everything, and they got everything, and they took the good stuff, even silver and gold this time. Again, do you get what I'm saying? Strategy, strategy, influence. What does God want to say? How does God want you to fight your battle? How does God want you to do that? And I'm just end with this, and we're done. Last closing, as my friend would say, and my wife smirks, wondering, is he serious, Lord? And I encourage you, get in the Word more, read some of the great stories. Go back over them, see the things that I'm saying, each one of them have it. Jonah, Asa, Nehemiah, Deborah. How many love Deborah? Oh, talk about a modern day of Deborahs? 
Get into it. Get your tent peg. There's all kinds of people out there to crush in the skull. In the spirit. In the spirit. Daniel. Boy, look at this. Tough of Daniel. Right? You got to identify who it is. What's he doing? Get God's strategy. The weapons that we have, I'm just going to name them off. Most of me would name these, but I also find some of these we seem to forget, and especially the first one, fasting and prayer. I've been living this and preaching this forever. It's many people say yes, and then they just won't do it, or they will do, I'm giving up M&Ms for one lunchtime. Listen, God help you. If that's where you're at, start with that. Give up your M&Ms, you know, but let's go a little bit further than that, you know. Let's get to the point where we can do a full day. When it's really something serious, do you ever notice when something really, really gets you, you just, I, I need to fast and pray. I need God's wisdom. I need God's presence. I need more time in the Word. I've got to shut myself off. I've got to get some silence, some solitude, and be in the secret place. The three S's to keys. And oftentimes we just don't do it. What will happen if we, like they did with Esther, all fast, all pray, and that was just three days, and the strategy and the wisdom given to her took down the one who's plotting to kill everybody. So fasting and prayer. Increase time in God's word. Seeking his present truth. His rhema word for you or for your situation. Consistent worship. I can't get past this. And especially together. Do it together. What you guys have happening here is awesome. Get to be a part. Join in. Don't let the enemy lie. Don't let him steal. Don't let him say, I got too much on my plate. If you got too much on your plate, stop the spinning of the plates, drop one or two, and say yes. If they got a break, let them break. I'm very serious about that. If we're going to be what God wants us to be, it's because some of these disciplines that can turn into delight will be your desire. Want to fast and pray. Want to be in the house of prayer. Want to be a house of prayer so wherever I go, I take the presence. My voice is the trumpet. My voice is the weapon. And I speak the truth of God to everyone who is around me. And pretty soon that starts happening and you start seeing answers. You're like, wow, I can get used to this thing. God does miracles when miracles are needed. You're a walking miracle and you're needed. You're needed out there. You're needed in here. Seek his voice. Seek the prophetic insight. Write it down. Make immediate application personally, corporally, of all that he shows you to do. I love the folks that really know how to journal. I'm not much. Thank God for these phones where I can just speak it and voice it through the voice thing, and it stays in my notes forever. Much easier for me. You guys that write and you're sensorial like my wife, and uh, God bless you. I can't read my own writing. I am worse than Dr. Kildare from the 50s. <sighs> Chicken scratch. You just, every doctor has it. It's a gift. I don't know how they learn it, but none of them can write. It's just, you know, they might have a long word, and there it is. That's it. It's like, <clears throat> that's your name. Meditate on the word, receive it, speak the word, decree it, declare it, sing it, prophesy it. This is something I wish we had time to do. I love teaching people how to do it. I love doing it with you. I love getting to see people have that, to have the scriptures in you, and then how God just uses that and releases those words, decrees, declares, especially the prophetic, especially it starts with just taking say, maybe a psalm, putting it to some music, a melody, and two, you don't even need the music anymore. You're just singing it out yourself. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful way to worship the Lord. Another one, have a confident expectation for faith of the fulfillment of the word or strategy that God has given you. Last one, stand your ground. 
faithful, focused, eyes on Jesus, His words, His promises, His perfect track record. See, when you're in the midst of some of these battles, and everyone that I just shared with, they each had those moments of, wow, God, are you going to come through? Are you going to come through? Just like Moses, can you imagine all those miracles? Huge signs and wonders taking down the idolatrous gods of the Egyptian. And yet here they are on our tail again. Here they are. And we're now faced with them behind an ocean in front of us. What are we going to do? God, why'd you take us out? We'd have rather been back eating leeks and onions by the Nile. No. I'm a deliverer. And I want to get the glory. Just like Gideon. Too many men. Way too many. 32,000? Too many. 10,000? No. 300. He didn't even need that. You know he could have done it with three. I love that story. Read that sometime if you want to really get encouraged. Man who was so fearful, freaked out, hiding in the caves, thinking he can't do anything. God says, you're a mighty man. He goes, no, I'm a wuss. I come from the smallest clan. I got nothing going for me. God's like, oh, just watch what I can do with you. He starts in his own home, pulls down the idols. Then he's got to do it at night because he's freaked out. And then God says, okay, we're going to go to war. Here's your weapons. How many like to go to war with those weapons, right? Encourage you, read those things. And then ask the Lord for what's going on today. We have other things. I'm just going to leave it. You know the word, the name of Jesus, all that he is, is all wrapped up in his name. Everything. The blood, the power, the resurrection, all that he is. All the different Jehovah's, right? You all know about the names, all about the attributes, all of it in one name all wrapped up in his name. That's why he tells us everything we do has got to be in his name. Everything, every prayer, every worship, all of it, because God has invested all that he is in the name that's above every name. Sing it, speak it, declare it. Don't be ashamed. Be bold more than ever. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. You're awesome. And I pray today, Lord, that these simple truths, these simple words would be filled with life and filled with grace for each of us individually, but even collectively, corporately here. And Lord, I'm saying that you put out such a calling today, such an anointing to say, who's my next Moses? Who's my next Abraham? Who's my next Gideon? Who's my next Deborah? Who's the one that's going to be fine in the secret place, listen and obey the strategies I give? Who's going to be the one to take on this land? Who's going to be the one to go to other lands? Who's going to be the one to go to unreached people groups? Because their heart is so convinced and convicted of the love of God that wants to be poured out through them to people that have never heard your name. Who's going to have the heart and the passion for House of Prayer here and out of there be further trained and equipped? Who's going to be the next leaders? Who's going to be the deacons? Who's going to be the elders? Who's going to be the everyday average saint Who's going to take you into the marketplace? Who's going to take you into their town, into their region? Who's going to take you into their neighborhood? Who needs to go back into their home and say, I love Jesus and I'm going to live like him no matter what you say or think and I'm going to pray for you until you believe the same. Or maybe we say absolutely nothing and we just let the glory of God do the talking for us. That people see you're not the same. You're changed. You're transformed. You don't talk that way, even the way you dress, even the way you act, the way you worship, the way you trust, the way you have faith, the way I see your confidence. 
rising every day. Lord, I'm asking for that. I'm asking that for here. Lord, that you are digging up, as we said years ago, redigging the wells of revival from the first and second great awakening to the prayer revival of 1857 that swept every state and over a million were brought in in one year. God, we long for what you did, but we long more for what you're doing now. And it's preparation. It is redigging. It is digging up the fallow ground. It is sowing more seed and more glory and the weight of your glory that it's coming to a point where even what happened in those revivals and awakenings are nothing to be compared with what it's on its way. What he will do through the people who simply say, yes, Lord, I'm here anytime, any place, anywhere. Lord, use me. Lord, send me. And confess maybe that I don't know how. I'm not sure. I'm the least. My clan is nothing. I'm from a bunch of alcoholics and drug addicted. I've been porned. I've been, and you just say, it's okay. I overcame the grave. I overcame the darkness. I am the light and the glory of this world. And there's nothing too difficult for me to do. And I'm going to raise you up to show people that that's what I still do. And I say, do it here, Lord. Do it among us. Do it even this very day. Let callings go forth. Let confirmations go forth. Let consecration and commitments go forth. And I would say, people who are here and listening and even at home, whatever God puts his finger on today, give it up, give it over. Consecrate yourself anew and afresh today, this very day. If there's anything you've not been willing to do or something that seems too hard to do or something you have asked them to do so often and it seems to escape you, strongholds, that you have begged him to take away. Know that it's a lie from the enemy that he wants you that way or that you were born that way or that you are the exception to my grace. And give it up and give it over today. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or porn, same-sex attractions, on and on. The enemy wants to use all of that to keep you and to bind you. He knows that. He knew it yesterday. He knows it today. Let's do that today. Let's give them ourselves. Maybe it's a call to the nations and you've been fighting it. Maybe like us, he took you out of here, put you in New York City. We had no clue. We had no desire. It was never on our radar. Take me back to the place of my greatest wickedness. No, Lord, it can't be you. 35 years later, still there. Still preaching, still teaching, still praying, still prophesying, still training and equipping, still releasing. Just like the people said to Joshua and like they said to Moses, whatever you tell us, Lord, we'll do. Wherever you send us, we'll go. I'm going to go one further. If you know that that's you today with any of that, I want you to stand with me. Be bold. Just stand. Say, yeah, that's me. I want to do whatever he says, wherever he says to do it. Just stand. Agree with him. I don't know if you do that a lot around here, but you, 
This is commitment. This is consecration. And the last thing is, if you do not know him and you're here today, or by home and you're just hearing about him, or maybe it's something you haven't said or done since you was a little guy, today's a great day for salvation and getting it started for the Holy Spirit who is convicting you, convincing you, revelation of the Christ who loved you and died for you and rose again and sat down at the right hand, perfect rest and authority. He's calling you to himself today. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church or if you've never been in church. We each come with a reckoning. God, I need you. I want you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Take away all power and the penalty, which is hell, death, and the grave, away from me now. And if that's you, please come see me or Sean or some of the elders and say, yeah, that's me. I want that. I want to get saved today. I want to get truly saved. I want to come out of the dark and come into the light. And for the rest, fresh days of consecration, fresh days of filling, fresh days of obedience and faith and risk to do what seems crazy. But you'll never be crazy in following the Lord, only in the eyes of the world. So I thank you. I bless you. I give it.